Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Prime time on Money FM 89.3. Long hours and even lower pay. Sounds familiar? <laughs> well, if it does, time to think about moving on. But actually, these are some of the factors that are driving away Singapore's young architects. A survey conducted by the Singapore Institute of Architects found that only 7 in 100 architectural students stay in the profession for the long haul. 7 in mm. 100. Another big challenge, of course, is reconciling the reality of the job which, with what they had expected it to be. So managing expectations, perhaps, and knowing the reality by talking to people who are doing the job first. How can digitalization, though, in the building industry change this status quo? Let's find out now. We will be speaking to Budi Susanto, the general manager for Leap Thought, and Tan Jing Min, product consultant and subject matter expert on architecture from Leap Thought, joining us here on the phone this afternoon. Budi, how does this survey give us an insight into the reality? of architecture. Hi, good afternoon, Timothy. Thanks for having us on the show. And I think the survey does give voice to the plights of the professionals who are in the industries. I think not only for architecture, I as a civil engineer do feel the same plight too. So overall in the built environment sector, I think there is this commonalities where graduates do not really meet expectations in what they expect to do when they graduate. And I think the long hours may be due to the increasing complexity of design, mm. the more demand of a better quality, delivering things more safely, and all these additional requirements do put stress on the professionals themselves. So, Budi, when you talk about not meeting expectations, though, when they get into the real-life work environment, what do you mean by this? Because in most jobs, we know we have to work long hours anyway. I have the impression that architecture is a very glamorous job. Is that why they're not meeting the expectations? Yeah, I think you raise a good point. The expectations in this case is related to when engineers and architects are being trained in school. They're expecting to do more of the design job, whether it's engineering or architectural design. But the reality on the ground is that I think a lot of the time is being taken by more mundane stuff such as documentation, mm. administration, being able to find the right drawings, being able to pull out the correct information at the snap of a finger. Things that I think rightly so timely to be disrupted by introduction of uh, digitalization. Jingmin, let's have you jump in here. I mean, you Hi. used to be an architect. I'm sure you faced some of these challenges. What exactly needs to be done in order to give graduates, you know, a realistic idea of what to expect when they enter the industry? Oh, right. Thank you. I think it's definitely a common sentiment among my peers, I guess, which is why the survey is viral. And I think it would be helpful for, I guess, students before they graduate to actually really talk, you know, have conversations and open dialogues with the industry mm. so that they know what to expect. And, you know, they don't just have a tunnel vision of what they're doing simply in school. Because in school, you have so much control. But when you're out there in the workforce, there's so many moving parts in the project. But a lot of this also has to do with mismanagement by architectural firms to some extent, doesn't it? I mean, if you're going to give in to unreasonable clients, if the authorities have conflicting requirements that you have to meet, if the firms are not willing to pay fairly, you know, so what can be done about these systemic problems, really? I don't think digitalization would help, right? It has a lot to do with mindsets. I mean, digitalization may help only to a certain extent. 
Mm, I mean, that's a fair question. Yeah, indeed. The fee structure, right, that was, um, I mean, the fee scale that was abolished in the early 2000s. So I think that kind of set the stage for mm. more undercutting and suppressed wages. But also that, I think the long hours and work-life balances actually are just, you know, a very common practice in the sector with iterative design, shifting requirements, and the fact that you spend so much time coordinating with multiple parties. So I think digitalization would not solve every single issue, but it's a big step. And that, you know, in place would then help to change mindset further on as well. Okay. How do you think this can be changed then, Jingmin? Yeah, so I think that's why we are, you know, very excited to work on the digital aspect and machine learning and automation. Mm -hmm. Because we really want to make sure that whatever we can optimize, we do it um, end-to-end in the whole project cycle. We want to reduce abortive work upfront. Mm. And we want to make sure there's alignment and expectation and design requirements among agencies you know, all the big parties and evolve with the project um, so, right from the onset of the project. Right. So, Budi, perhaps you could illustrate for us what exactly it is that you offer in terms of getting the firms on board to using solutions that will help them in this manner. So I think the life cycle that we are looking at here is uh, design, construction and eventually handing over of a completed asset or completed building. So our firms offer the solution where we are present there from the design phase all the way until the handing over, making sure that data that's being transmitted, information that's being approved or rejected, information being handled throughout the life cycle of the project remains intact. And that removes a lot of double handling or a lot of abusive works that Jingmin mentioned earlier. Now, of all the industries, I would have thought that in the architecture and the build industry, it would be one of the most advanced when it comes to using artificial intelligence and all these things to help in this way. But it appears it's not the case. Why is this a challenge? Yeah, I think if we take a look at the amount or the size of the contract that engineering firms are executing, it runs above hundreds of millions. And the complexity of the contract itself mm. puts in a lot of complexity to the relationships of the parties or the stakeholders that's within it. Hence, there's a lot of resistance to change in a way because what has proven work needs to remain working right. because what's at stake is so high. Right. And the resistance to change, not only because of what's at stake is so high, it involves so many parties. We are talking about at least a thousand professionals within large scale projects. Mm-hmm. And you have to affect these changes to each and every person, to the last person on the ground who are the workers themselves. So it's not a walk in the park affecting this change management to the engineering practice mm. or architectural practice. So how yeah. are you helping bring about this change? And how are you managing the change among all of these stakeholders to get them on board? So I think in Singapore, the authority, the government, takes a very proactive steps in ensuring these changes happen in step manner. So it comes from regulation. It comes from enabling firms to tap into available funds to affect digitalization. And we go step by step from the simplest things of raising inspection forms. And then subsequently, we look at how to introduce automated design. And then subsequently, we look at how to have a centralized collaboration platform among agencies. Hopefully, with all introduction of all this technology, it helps bring about that mind share that things can be done better in a more holistic way. All right. With that in mind, with things being able to be done better with the help of technological innovation and artificial intelligence and all that, how do you develop talent then as you move forward? You know, we were talking about managing their expectations as well. This should be all part of the process. 
Yeah, we do recognize that these changes have to begin from the earlier stage, which is from educational sector. Mm. And I think for that, we do partners with educational institutions here in Singapore to introduce this digitalization early in their practices or even when they are still studying, that they recognize that digital tools Mm-hmm. is available and as engineer they are not so one-dimensional but they can also tap into the tech uh, portion of it understanding programming understanding data analytics and that provides them a more porous career path they are not coming into the industry forever thinking that they'll just be engineers but with engineering skill come data analytics comes a ui ux design so and so forth Mm. And I think Jingmin can share more about what we are actually doing with these educational institutes. Sure, Jingmin, this is a very important point because it goes towards developing the talent pipeline for the long term, doesn't it? So what are some of the efforts that are being made in this regard? Right, so we have recently signed a MOU with Neon Poly to co-develop a curriculum for integrated delivery solutions in the construction sector. So this is in particular for the School of Design Environment. Mm -hmm. And as part of this partnership, we are working with lecturers to co-deliver materials for year two and three modules, such as computer-aided design and architectural practice. So we are, you know, touching base students, not just on the skills, the digital skills that is required when you come out of school, but also give them a good idea of where the practice is moving towards with digital delivery in mind. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. Is anything being done to get the people who've left the industry to come back? Because we talked about the brain drain and it's pretty severe, isn't it? So these people are out there with the skills already and probably just need to brush up a little and get on the digitalization bandwagon. What about them? Oh, we definitely are open to, you know, bringing them back and also giving them a better overview of what's happening and where we're moving towards. And also, I think we are also on a good track with the agencies. And if they ever need our help to, you know, bring that topic in for, you know, people who are coming back to the industry. One of the major major issues is low pay, right? So to what extent do you think a solution like this might actually help them become more cost efficient and also then start paying their architects better? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, think, I think at the end of the day, we look at the industry pay scale currently. Tech is red hot and it's a trend, right? I think few years back, maybe electronics or mm. whatever. But if you look at built environment sector as a whole, it is there. People may say it's a sunset or whatever, but built environment sector, as long as we are having population growth, as long as we are building homes for more people, more infrastructure, it's going to be there and it's stable. So I think that's one reality that everybody will accept, that built environment will be there and it is stable. Yeah, Yeah. but whether or not firms pay their people well or clients are willing to pay firms well enough, that is a different question, isn't it? Yeah, I guess in terms of competitiveness, at the end of the day, the industry will realize by natural selections that this trend of low wages, long hours can't continue forever. Mm. With that, they'll realize more tools will need to be brought in, digitalization one of them, and hopefully that will tip the balance in terms of pay scales and long hours that they have to undergo. Listening to both of you talk and campaign about this makes me want to get you guys to campaign for journalists as well. Oh, yes. <laughs> I remember my first day in journalism school, my first instructor said, if you want to get rich, this is not for you. Yeah. yeah. And the sad thing is... It's still the same. Yeah, it's still the same. Nothing, <laughs> nothing much has changed. Also, training has gone by the wayside. But if we look at architecture and the industry in schools, I think you're still pretty much on track. 
at this time, quality journalism is something else that ought to be looked into. And perhaps we'll use some of your tactics to get the word out as well, guys. Anyway, thank you very much for sharing insights uh, with us today. Budi Susanto is a general manager for Leap Thought in Southeast Asia. And Tan Ming Jin, product consultant and subject expert on architecture with Leap Thought, joining us here on Primetime. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.